This is Ed Mazur, now Chairman Emeritus of the venerable 120-year-old City Club of Chicago. After 28 years as Chairman and the last 10 as Acting President, I am now the Chairman Emeritus. Our speaker today was the Mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, and there were over 350 people in attendance. Many people came expecting her to make an announcement about her electoral future. But she ended her talk, a very upbeat assessment of what's happening in Chicago, by telling the audience, if you came expecting another announcement, it will be soon, but not today. The crowd roared. Mayor Lightfoot was introduced by Clayco President Robert Clark, who has recently served as President Biden's head of the Expo 2020 exhibition in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. He said Chicago's at a critical crossroads, like many cities are. But Mayor Lightfoot, he said, has done a great job in very tough times, and she has not received the credit that she deserved. Mayor Lightfoot, in a very upbeat assessment of Chicago, said the city had the first comprehensive COVID recovery plan in the United States. Several times, she said, government should act as a stimulus. Good social policy makes good economic policy. She said that Chicago will have the biggest recovery and fastest of any large city in the United States, including New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, in San Francisco. She talked about our unemployment rate, currently at 4.8%. $7 billion in venture capital has gone into the city. She said this means investors have confidence in the city's future. 73 new companies have moved to Chicago in recent months, and we have 12 unicorns now, a term used to describe a company valued at $1 billion or more giving Chicago, according to Lightfoot, a total of 23 unicorns. Retail traffic and rents are up in Chicago, whereas they are down in Los Angeles and in New York City. She talked about foreign investment in Chicago, and Mayor Lightfoot said for eight years in a row, Chicago has led every U.S. city in foreign investment. She said, forget about the naysayers. Chicago is a great city and is on the move. She talked about the coming summer of 2022. She said this will be a summer of great joy in Chicago. We want investments in, investments in Chicago, she said. We don't want charitable handouts. The narrative from some quarters that Chicago is headed in the wrong direction is simply wrong, wrong, wrong. She said, I believe we are a good partner with business, labor, and with the neighborhoods. She finished up by saying we have a lot to be proud of in the city of Chicago. And once again, if you came expecting another announcement, like maybe her candidacy for a second term, it wasn't to be today, but it will come soon. So just as Chicago has always been at the forefront of progress, for almost 120 years, the City Club has stood strong providing a nonpartisan forum that attracts civic-minded individuals like all of you in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. And if you don't mind, just take, take a moment. I know this is a great conversation, but I just have a couple of people I want to recognize. Uh, and, and so I just ask if you'd take a moment uh, to listen in. 
Our chairman uh, of the City Club, Dr. Ed Mazur, has helped facilitate these discussions and lead the City Club as a member of the Board of Governors for 25 years. Shepherding the club into the new millennium and as chairman, acting as a steady hand and a thoughtful leader, even through some rocky times in the last few years. Dr. Mazur recently decided that the time had come to pass the torch. While the board reluctantly agreed, we did so under one condition, that Ed remain on as Chairman Emeritus. He's agreed to do that. Ed, Ed has done and will continue to do so much for this club, and I just wanted to take a moment for all of us to stop and thank Dr. Ed Mazur. Thank you, Ed. Now, I'm also excited to share with all of you that the Board of Governors has elected a new chair. And for the first time in the club's history, it's a chairwoman. You'll hear from her shortly. But in the meantime, please join me in congratulating Jackie Robinson Ivy, the senior. Stand up, Jackie. Senior Vice President of Public Affairs and Government Relations at Northern Trust, yet another Chicago institution, and the new chairwoman of the City Club. So thank you, Jackie. Please enjoy your lunch, your conversation. We have a great program. We'll be back in, uh, Jackie will be back up here in, in just a few minutes. Thank you. I don't take it lightly when a CEO takes time out of their day um, to stop at City Club and be here. He was asked to join us by Mayor Larry Foote. And if you know her, she's always thinking and she always has a plan. Since moving Clayco's headquarters to Chicago, <laughs> Bob has become an invaluable resource, both civic and philanthropically. He has taken great care, not only of the thousands of his employees and their families, but also stepped up in a big way to support the city and the mayor's efforts um, to help businesses survive COVID and all of the other unrest that we've had going on. It's been a tough couple of years. He and his company design build amazing buildings. But if you talk with Bob, you'll hear him want to talk more about building communities and developing these small and minority owned businesses. He recently came off of his own stint as a public servant, serving as President Biden's ambassador to Expo 2020 Dubai, which was a six-month World's Fair that just ended at the end of March. A true champion for Chicago, but our hardworking people, and we just enjoy him being around. Please welcome the founder and the executive chairman of Clayco, Bob Clark. Congratulations, Jackie. That's a, it's a big honor for you to be here. And I think um, you're up to the challenge and you're going to do a great job and I'll be rooting for you all the way. Dan, congratulations to you too for your, for your honor to be the vice chair. I think the city club's done a really important service for the city, uh, bringing everybody together. And it's great to see so many people kind of post pandemic 
getting together, kind of rallying around the city of Chicago, which is a really uh, in a critical crossroads right now, like every city in the world, really. My experience over at the uh, expo was really, I think, life-changing, being able to be in a place in the Middle East where they were hosting the world's largest event. Um, over 24 million people visited in six months, 192 countries represented. We hosted about 2,000 meetings in the seven months that we were there. So it was a very, very busy period of time where I would say uh, the year I learned the most in my whole life, which is saying a lot, um, a lot about the world's challenges, a lot about climate, food insecurity, diversity and inclusion around the world, um, just really critical issues that are facing the world where business people came together, political leaders came together to talk about the challenges that they have in their country. Um, and I think one of the things that was my takeaway, and I want to be brief today, maybe we'll get a chance to talk in more depth about some of the issues. You know, there are huge issues happening around the world. I mean, uh, obviously the war in Ukraine, but there's also other critical issues in almost every continent is facing all the time. And uh, I think sometimes in America, we get down on ourselves and our politics are uh, polarized right now. And we do have lots of challenges in the country and we have challenges in the city of Chicago for sure. But the one thing I left uh, the biggest impression on me, having a million two hundred thousand people just come through the USA Pavilion, people from all over the world, and I went out on the floor almost every single day and talked to people. And the overwhelming response that I got from people from, you know, hundreds of countries was that America is still a beacon of hope. I left the expo with more pride in America and more gratefulness for being an American than I've ever felt in my life. And I think... I think we all have a lot to be thankful for and grateful for. And sometimes with social media and kind of just the negative down on our ourselves attitude, it's kind of hard to see through the through the um, the challenges to the positive things that we have in America that all the other 191 countries that were represented at the at the expo would would literally give their right arm for. So so I think we should get a more positive, optimistic attitude, especially coming out of the pandemic and all of the challenges. Our mayor, in my personal opinion, has done a really great job in a really tough, tough time and not getting the credit that she has coming. I think, you know... <laughs> and I think we're about to burst out I think you'll hear from the mayor all the good things that have happened, and uh, she's, you know, she's right to point that stuff out. But I think we're really in a, in a moment in time right now, coming out of the pandemic, it really is spring in Chicago, and I think it's time for everybody to get back to work, get back in the offices. Your people, your people aren't... You're, your people that are working from home are not working. Guess what? They're at the grocery store. So, so get them back downtown, get them in the offices, and um, everybody else is back to work. So it's time to get back to work, but it's also time to get rallying around this mayor and a around the good work that all the people in, in uh, 
the civic community are doing to make your lives better every single day. And uh, let's not get down, let's get up. So with that, I would just like to welcome my friend, Mayor Lightfoot, to the podium. Thank you. Bob, they, 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 they took your advice, they're revved up, and they gave you a standing O to boot. <clears throat> Bob, as you heard, is, is freshly back in Chicago after representing the U.S. in Dubai for President Biden at World Expo, which, of course, is a tremendous honor. Um, in addition to being a great partner to the federal government, Bob is a great partner to the city of Chicago. He is a dedicated civic and business leader who has committed his life's work to strengthen communities here in Chicago, St. Louis, and elsewhere, having long been an advocate for diversity throughout companies, workforces, boardrooms, and in creating more opportunities for women and minority-owned businesses. And the thing I like most and admire about Bob is he's a big thinker, but also a big doer. So thank you so much, Bob, for being here and being a part of our Chicago landscape. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, I am here to make a very important announcement, an announcement that speaks to the present and future of our beloved city. But I'm going to keep you in suspense for just a moment. <clears throat> Let me set the stage. Back in April 2020, I began to worry about how our city would recover from the greatest public health challenge of our lifetime. Not just the pandemic, but the related economic recession that was just coming into view as a result of the compelled shutdown of sectors of our economy in order to save lives. So in April 2020, I brought our team together and began to sketch out what an equitable and inclusive recovery would look like. In order to develop a comprehensive plan, we brought together business, labor, and civic leaders <clears throat> in a recovery task force led by Sam Skinner, who you all know, an accomplished lawyer, fine, fine, former White House Chief of Staff, and Transportation Secretary. The result was the first of its kind comprehensive COVID-19 recovery plan in the nation and became a model for other cities across the country to follow. And we've been executing that plan with fidelity. Fundamentally, we knew that given Chicago has the most diverse economy in the nation, we needed to lean into our core strengths, notably manufacturing, transportation, distribution and logistics, life sciences, food and ag, and technology. We also understood that in a time of economic difficulty, government should act as a stimulus and that we have. And another important tenet of our economic recovery has been that good social policy is good economic policy, meaning that we had to be intentional about creating economic opportunity for those who not only had been relegated to the margins of our economy, but also our civic life. And as a result of our intensive focus and businesses, businesses having great confidence in Chicago, we are poised to have the best economic recovery of any big city in the country, bar none. 
And let me share with you why I know this to be true. And let's look at some data from 2021. When compared to New York City, Los Angeles, and Houston, throughout the pandemic, Chicago maintained the lowest unemployment rate of any of major city in the country, ending last year with 4.3%, which is lower than other cities. We had 90, I'm sorry, 9.7 billion, 9.7 billion in growth capital invested in our city last year, including nearly 7 billion in venture capital, which is double that of 2020. What this clearly shows is investors have confidence in our businesses and our economy. And by the way, the venture capital number was bigger than Seattle and moved Chicago into number four in the nation. In 2020 alone, 173 companies made what we call pro-Chicago decisions. That means companies relocated to Chicago from other places in the country or substantially expanded their existing footprint in our city. And let me break those numbers down a little bit. 73 were either completely new to the market or had chosen to move here from elsewhere. That's companies like Kimberly-Clark that creates every conceivable kind of paper product from toilet paper, disposable diapers, tissues, feminine hygiene products, just to name a few. Or internet sensations like Cameo, the celebrity video messaging platform, and I know some of you got those messages from Rod Gaboyevich. Be honest, be honest. And Talus Biomedical, which is delivering diagnostic testing and innovation to combat the spread of infectious disease, announced nearly a 30,000 square foot space at Fulton uh, Labs in the Fulton Market District that will be used as an advanced lab for Talus to continue to innovate. Another 100 of those companies that made pro-Chicago decisions already had a presence here and chose to continue expanding that presence. That included companies like CoinFlip, a crypto ATM company, VidMob, a digital marketing solution, Tegas, a primary research company that relocated from San Francisco to Chicago with five employees and now has over 200 in its workforce, and of course, Uber Freight which we are grateful and proud of. Furthermore, 38 of those 173 decisions were made to relocate on our south and west sides, with 27 being expansions and 10 being new market entrants and one being a relocation. We have also minted in 2021 a record-breaking 12 unicorns, companies valued at a billion dollars or more. And those unicorns arose in diverse industries, from financial services to food products, software logistics, uh, media and information services, and many more. Another testament to the strength and diversity of our economy. Those 12 unicorns from 2021 were more than Seattle or Austin and brings our total up to 23. This, folks, is a big deal. <clears throat> And let me brag for a moment about our food and ag businesses. Five years ago or so, we had about 80 food and ag businesses in Chicago. We now have over 400 of these businesses making Chicago the food and ag capital of the United States for innovation, manufacturing, agribusiness, and ag tech. 
And next month, through World Business Chicago, led by Michael Fastnock, we will be holding the city's first ever food innovation conference called the Chicago Venture Summit Future of Food 2022, helping to further solidify our reputation as ground zero for food and ag businesses in the United States. Additionally, one of the 12 unicorns we minted last year was Nature's Fine, which is a revolutionary company in food and agriculture that's growing its own unique meat alternative right here in Chicago in the historic stockyards on the southwest side, which was once, as you know, the epicenter for the 20th century meat packing industry. I have to give it to their CEO, Thomas Jonas, and his team of biochemists, engineers, and other team members who believe amazing foods can both nourish people and nurture the planet. And if you, and have proven that if you don't have to move outside of Chicago to land a lucrative career in the expanding STEM industry. We are excited to see how Nature's Fine and other companies create incredibly innovative careers right here in Chicago for our graduates so they don't have to go to the coast to be able to find a good-paying tech job. It's happening right here, right now in Chicago. And a few other notable data points to round out 2021. Chicago O'Hare Airport became the nation's number one port by trade value in the fourth quarter of 2021. More businesses renewed their licenses in 2021 than pre-pandemic, 81% versus 76% in 2019. Retail traffic is up in Chicago and retail rents went up in 2021, whereas in LA and New York, they saw decreases in both categories. Chicagoland was the number one region in the country for construction growth. Number one in the nation, ladies and gentlemen. And here again, our peer cities like New York and Houston, for example, saw decreases in 2021 construction job growth. And there was a $2.7 billion in downtown construction project permitted in 2021. Yes, Again, that's billion with a B. And ladies and gentlemen, when you see those high rises going up and those cranes in the sky, those are good paying union jobs. So you need to thank organized labor for what they have done to build our city. There is a reason why Chicago has become the number one city in North America for foreign direct investment eight years in a row. And the same reason that Condé Nast named Chicago the best big city in the country for an unprecedented five years in a row. And why in 2021, timeout index survey, uh, Chicago was named the most beautiful city in North America. Now, here's a pop uh, quiz. Raise your hand. How many of you knew most of these positive economic milestones from 2021? A few of you. For those who didn't, ask yourself, why not? Why is it that you are not hearing all the great things that are happening in our city of Chicago? Why is it that you don't know 
and hadn't heard before, I just told you about all the amazing progress that we are making in our city to build the economy, not only of today, but of tomorrow, and doing it in a way that is truly inclusive and equitable. We need to own our own narrative, and we need to tell these stories so that our people understand it, our businesses continue to have confidence, investors continue to flock to Chicago, and we break through the noise. Make no mistake, we are a great city that is on the move. And, and let's look at some facts from 2022 that also prove that we are headed in the right direction. <clears throat> Chicago's unemployment rate as of February is at 4.9%, still lower than New York, Houston, and tied with L.A. Already this year, 57 companies have made pro-Chicago decisions with thus far 29 relocations and 28 expansions. Ten of those decisions have been made in either the south or the west side, and five being expansions from other uh, cities that came here to Chicago. I'm also happy to report that building permit revenue is up year over year from 2021, up 9% over 2021, and 91.9% of pre-pandemic levels. We are also seeing continued growth in our central business district, which remains core to our city's economy. Our downtown is the heart that pumps the blood to the rest of our city. For example, we kicked off the year with an occupant's office occupancy rate growth of 13.2%, a rate that is higher than any other major metro area outside of a couple of cities in Texas. I won't mention them. (laughs) Pedestrian traffic which measures the volume and direction of pedestrian traffic on State Street were also strong at a record level of 93.5% of 2019 levels. This recovery rate is nearly double the one that was set in 2021 and is a strong indication that our city is continuing to bounce back. And we are excited to deepen this success by continuing to activate commercial corridors on the Magnificent Mile and State Street. Meet Me on the Mile and Sundays on State were two initiatives that we launched last year to bring residents and visitors alike back to our downtown area with great success. Portions of both streets were closed for public performances, retail, and other entertainment. And in both instances, foot traffic approached 2019 levels. And businesses along both streets were happy to enjoy the uptick in sales. We're excited to bring these events back this summer, as well as welcome new businesses into our office spaces in the loop. And on top of this, we are working with folks on the State Street Corridor and separately the South Street and the Mag Mile to reimagine and build for the future of these iconic locations in our city. We are also working hard to make sure that our central business district remains vibrant as the nature of work and shopping transitions. Now, I must credit and thank the folks at the Loop Alliance, at BOMA, the Mag Mile Association, and others for their diligence and partnership. <clears throat> Further, in the first quarter of this year, Chicago hosted 125 hotel and convention center meetings, representing over $339 million in economic impact to the city, <clears throat> filling 220,000 
220,000 hotel room nights. For the rest of this year, we currently have 345 major events planned, which represent over $2 billion in economic impact, 1.4 million room nights, and over a million meeting delegates coming to our city. And some of you know I came to Chicago for the first time years and years ago on St. Patrick's Day. So that holiday has special meaning to me. And if you came downtown for the St. Patrick's Day festivities, you know that our residents are ready to come back together and have some fun. Tens of thousands came downtown for the river dying, the parade, and other events. And some, town, some downtown business owners that I spoke to told me that that weekend alone, they did better than they did pre-pandemic because of the number of people who came and patronized and left a little money in downtown Chicago. And folks, just wait till Memorial Day and our summer. It will be the summer of joy in Chicago. <clears throat> mentioned at the outset that good social policy is good economic policy. As a city government, we have been doing everything possible to strengthen our economic base, get people back to work, and expand the population in our city and do it with a continued focus on equity and inclusion. And here's some examples of what I mean. I have, of course, to start with Invest Southwest, my administration's signature economic development initiative. In our two-year mark, Invest Southwest channeled $1.4 billion in investments in 10 underserved communities over the past two years, thanks again to public-private partnership. We are neighborhoods like Austin, North Lawndale, Inglewood, South Shore, West Humboldt Park, Roseland, and others to work with community to breathe new life into commercial corridors that are the front doors of these communities. We have insisted that the RFP development teams reflect the diversity of the neighborhoods in which they, be, they will be working, and they have. And in addition to the $1.4 billion in investments, the 11 specific RFP projects plan to create more than 2,000 jobs during construction and an estimated 1,000 permanent jobs. That is on top of the thousands of jobs created through the more than 300 city-sponsored public works projects that we have completed in Invest Southwest neighborhoods over the past two and a half years, as well as jobs created through the private sector-led investments, some of which I will be sharing shortly. We would be thrilled to those of you in the business community to join us in revitalizing this neighborhood, we don't want <clears throat> your charity. We want your investment. We want your investment in neighborhoods across our city that are deserving of the kind of resources and amenities that many of us take for granted in the north side and other parts of our city. Come on and join us in this work. We have also worked very hard over these last three years to help working class individuals and families, which free them up to be productive members of the economy. Working with our friends in organized labor, and I've got to cite Bob Ryder, the president of the, of the CFL, who is here with us today. 
Working with organized labor, we have specifically uh, raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour ahead of every other municipality in our state. We secured fair scheduling for our workers, many of whom were women of color, so that they would know with predictability when they were going to work, and then they could take care of and organize their life. A significant step forward. And we've strengthened worker protections during the pandemic to make sure that they could be taken care of, not retaliated against, and make sure that their jobs were secure for them. We have also made the city government less burdensome for working Chicagoans. And ladies and gentlemen, when I came into office, Chicago had an infamous distinction for being a leader and forcing people to file for bankruptcy protection because of debt owed to the city. City government was literally crushing people with fines and fees that forced them into bankruptcy, took their cars, driving privileges, shut off their water, shut off their water, all of which, in many instances, forced these people out of the job market. And when I say these people, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Low income, black and brown folks that were struggling already, we put our foot on their neck and made their lives that much harder. We needed to end these regressive practices, and ladies and gentlemen, we have. Through our fines... Through our fines and fees reforms, we have stopped random vehicle impoundments, ended all debt-based driver's license suspended uh, suspensions for non-moving violations, and more. As a result, we have forgiven already $11 million in city sticker debt and $129 million in vehicle storage fees. We have also ended the inhumane practice of shutting people off from water if they fell behind in their, in their bills. Water is a basic human right, and we have to recognize that, and we have. So in 2021, we started the Utility Billing Relief Program administered through our partner, CETA, which allows residents with water debt to enter into a custom repayment plan that fits their budgets, um, and if, that, if they consistently pay for one year, all that debt is wiped away. To date, 18,000 residents have been served. $9 million in debt has been forgiven. That's an average of $1,000 per household, and 93% of those on a payment plan have done so successfully. Another important initiative that we completed, uh, that we initiated at the height of the pandemic that saved businesses and jobs was our Small Business Resiliency Fund. And I got, again, give credit to our CFO, Jenny Bennett, for coming up and conceiving of this program. A hundred... This is a hundred million dollar loan program that we began in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. We knew we had to reach those small businesses that would not qualify for federal PPP program, which in Chicago were a lot of small businesses that were unbanked or run by undocumented uh, residents. At the time, the Small Business Resiliency Fund was the largest in the country, larger than New York and San Francisco combined. It tripled the amount of small business lending in Chicago from pre-COVID levels and was structured in a way to recycle that increased lending in perpetuity. 
Let me tell you some facts about the people that we reached. 59% were first-time borrowers. 66% could not have found an alternative to the fund. 61% said that they were able to save jobs because of the loan, which resulted in nearly 9,000 jobs saved. One in five businesses saved was a result of the loan fund that shakes out to about almost 400 businesses. And 44% were African-American or Latino, and 57% uh, were all minority. And to underscore the impact of this fund, let me remind you that approximately 50% of the employment in Chicago comes from small businesses. So this fund was a lifeline to our core part of our economy. And because of the exceptional economic uh, progress that we saw in 2021, at this point, the city expects that 2021 year-end revenues will be at least $200 million better than budgeted, which will support the already improving financial performance that we saw in 2021. Jenny won't let me tell you that we might be looking at a surplus next year, so I'm not going to say that. You might recall that we faced the largest pandemic-induced budget gap in the city's history in 2021, 2020. Despite these challenges, the city has cleared away a number of financial ticking time bombs that were kicked down the road, such as climbing the $1 billion pension ramp, climbing the mountain of debt created by the end of scoop and toss, and paying the largest police retro payments in the city's history. All of this happened in the midst of a pandemic. And a result of the hard work of Jenny and Susie and Rush Masoni, our incredible financial team and their, uh, their workers, we saw a significantly reduced budget gap in 2022 and expect that continue into 2023, our target for achieving structural balance. This is phenomenal progress, ladies and gentlemen, from where our city was just a few years ago. And I will say it's phenomenal progress, certainly attributable to many people in this room. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's a narrative out there that our city is headed in the wrong direction. That noise is completely belied by these objective data points, which show a very robust economy that is creating jobs and opportunity because of the hard work of our incredible entrepreneurs, our friends in organized labor, innovators, and other creators. And because in my administration, we want to unleash the economic prowess of our city by being great partners with our businesses and to lead by example by making targeted, catalytic investments to bring prosperity to every neighborhood in our city. It wasn't that long ago that people said, well, the mayor doesn't really get it. She's talking about this neighborhood stuff and she's going to lose sight of the downtown. Well, once again, the proof is in the pudding. Our city is strong and solid and well-poised, well-poised to be one of the strongest economies in the nation. And that is simply a fact. Now, we absolutely have more work to do. But don't let anybody tell you anything other than we are leading the nation among big, business, big cities in positive economic growth. And despite the naysayers and the skeptics, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to be proud of in Chicago. And as mayor, I will continue to be the cheerleader in chief about the greatness of the city. And that brings me 
to another important announcement. I am excited to announce that Harvest Food Group, a manufacturing company that specializes in frozen fruit, vegetables, entrees, and other foods, will be joining Nature's Fine as their newest neighbor and relocating to the Union Stockyards. You're apparently expecting something else. Harvest Food Group (laughs) is making a $60 million development that will transform an eight-acre abandoned industrial site into a modern manufacturing facility that will serve as the group's new home, as well as result in the retention of 200 jobs and the creation of another 50. The development as planned has all the elements of a truly beneficial public-private partnership, private investment, environmental reclamation, access to quality jobs, and a focus on helping Chicago-grown companies not just stay, but thrive in our city. It will also be built with the surrounding community in mind as the developers made facade design choices that aligns with what the neighbors wanted. Solicited, um, they just solicited design input from both stakeholders and community members and have committed to maintaining the adjacent open green spaces. For those of you who may not know, this marks the 20th anniversary of the city owning the Union Stockyard site. Now, before my administration, the site remained dormant, an empty space within a vibrant community. And now, thanks to the investments of Nature's Fine and Harvard uh, Harvest Food Group, we are breathing new life back into those communities. Get the theme? We work together in concert with the community and the business to revitalize areas of our city that have lain barren for far too long. I want to give a special thanks to Harvest Food Group and in particular its CEO, Jason Eckert, for choosing to stay not only in Chicago, but on the South Side. Their team, truth be told, had a lot of offers from outer state contenders. But at the end of the day, they chose to stay in our city because they wanted to retain their workers and continue contributing to the surrounding community. I also want to thank um, and, and highlight Alderman George Cardenas, who's with us here today, who has been a deep and huge advocate for this project and influential in making it a reality. Thank you, George. Now, the Harvest Food Group location is in the back of the yards corridor for Invest Southwest. This is the kind of commitment that is literally changing the landscape of our historically disinvested in neighborhoods. Now, whether Joe Mansueto, CEO of Mansueto Office, who heeded my call for investments on the south and west sides and made a transformative investment in the terminal in West Humboldt Park, which we broke ground on in November 2020. The terminal will redevelop industrial warehouse space into a 240,000 square foot creative office campus with incubator spaces carved out for businesses. Once completed, it will house between 700 and 800 employees, and the terminal has already attracted its first tenant, ArrowQ, a quantum computing startup. I also want to point out Maurice Smith, CEO of the Healthcare Service Corporation, who made a pro-Chicago decision back in August of 2020. At the time, I joined him and his team to cut the ribbon on Blue Cross Blue Shield's new Blue Door Neighborhood Center in Morgan Park, 
They transform, I'll say it, the abandoned Target store uh, into something that is an employee workspace, created 550 job opportunities, and almost 70% of which hired from the local area and helped address a chronic lack of high-quality health care and wellness resources on the far south side. I also have to highlight the investment decision by Discover Financial, which also took advantage of a different Target store abandoned in Chatham. Discover CEO's Roger Hochschild decided to relocate a $30 million call center in Chicago instead of elsewhere and help support that underinvested in neighborhood that needed a lift. Because of that commitment, that Chatham Charles Center, which pays great salaries and benefits, is now the number one call center in the Discover system, with 85% of their employees living locally within a five-mile radius of that center. <laughs> and just to, just to highlight what a difference that made, they received 12,000 applications for their first 250 hires and plan to have 500 employees on site by the end of this year and 1,000 by the end of 2024. And I've got to give a shout out to my friend, somebody who I deeply admire, and that's Dave Casper of BMO Harris and his team, because ladies and gentlemen, any time, any time there is a need they answer the call, roll up their sleeves, and say, what more can we do? <laughs> These are just a few examples of the incredible civic leaders that we have in Chicago, people who are unapologetic champions of our city and are continually showing their commitment to Chicago through their business and philanthropic acts. To be sure, we have more work to do. No one, least of all me, is doing a victory lap. Our challenges, and particularly around public safety, are real, complicated, and decades in the making. And we are making progress on public safety. Year over year, homicides are down and shootings are down. We have made progress because of our relentless focus on gangs and guns and investments. We work tirelessly to hold violent, dangerous people accountable. And we saw more homicides last year than in the previous 19 years. And our clearance rate this year is above 65%, which puts us into the heartland of where we should be nationally. And we are engaging in empowering residents through town halls on public safety, tabletop exercises, and we are listening to what our residents want and say that they need to feel safer. From cameras to vacant lots, green spaces and programming for youth and mental health services, we continue to make resident-driven investments around public safety. And we will continue close engagement with our business community, downtown and in other neighborhoods. More needs to be done, to be sure. And we must remain ever diligent. But we are no about trending in the right direction. Ladies and gentlemen, our future in this city is bright. And we must reclaim our own narrative. There's a reason why our economy is booming. The strengths of who we are and what we can become when we see everyone in every neighborhood and work together as neighbors with a shared destiny, no one can hold us back. That is how we all thrive, together and maintain our rightful status as a great global city that continues to be the envy of others. 
As the great Muhammad Ali once said, quote, you don't lose if you get knocked down. You lose if you stay down. Chicago has always been a resilient city. And every time that we've been knocked down, we've gotten right back up and kept up the good fight to protect and uplift our residents. We are the city that works, particularly when we work together. We have faced unprecedented challenges, and we have met those challenges head on with unprecedented resolve and coming together. And we've made a difference in the lives of our residents and more to do. So thank you all for continuing to choose Chicago and the people who call it home. And oh, by the way, for those of you who came today expecting a different announcement, (laughs) not today, but soon. Be patient. Thank you all. Okay, so we're going to get started with questions. If you haven't gotten them up, please, I don't know how you're going to get them up in this room, but, you know, we'll figure that out. Uh, Shara's coming. Are you coming with a question? Oh, okay. Um, Thank you to our staff. They're usually the ones who are running around. Oh, there's Jan. We got a few coming. Um, uh, Someone told me to ask you, are the White Sox going to win the championship? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they got to get a little better starting pitching, but I think we'll be all right. (laughs) I do not challenge a mayor on any sports. (laughs) Thomas McElroy, who is, in fact, a city club member. For those of you who don't know, that tradition will not change. If you are not a member, you might get your question asked, or you might not. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. Um, level one, solutions. Considering your great success with Invest Southwest going forward, um, with, the ba- with the broadband infrastructure, money can be made part of the plans for development going forward? Well, we, we are very focused on um, making sure that we get our fair share of uh, broadband dollars that are coming uh, from the federal infrastructure budget. When I was in uh, D.C. back in December, met with uh, folks at Commerce, um, talked about that extensively uh, with Mitch Landrew um, and oppressing uh, the folks at the state because the, the money is going to flow through the state. But as many of us know, and I'm looking out at uh, our former uh, CPS CEO, Janice Jackson, who initiated the Chicago Connected program along with my office, there are real issues of connectivity in our city. And I've emphasized to everybody who will listen, and uh, Congresswoman Kelly knows this, it's not just the rural communities that have challenges with broadband and Wi-Fi connectivity. Cities like Chicago also have those challenges, and we have to get our fair share to make sure that we are scaling up for the kids that have to do their homework, uh, for the businesses that are trying to get on the Internet, just to enjoy basic quality of life. We must do more, and we must get dollars from the federal government to help us do that uh, to really make sure the entire city is connected. So thank you for the question, Tom. Mark Weimer, uh-oh, can you hear me? I'm going to move it back down for a minute. How long will CTA keep the mask update up? <laughs> it's really question. Because you want to wear it for a long time? <clears throat> Look, obviously we just got the news yesterday about the court decision, um, and we are conferring today. I believe that where we will end up is we're going to recommend that people who feel comfortable 
um, and feel like they need to wear a mask, continue to wear a mask, and make sure, frankly, uh, that we're being as respectful of people who are making those decisions. Same, I'll just add it, uh, with uh, our airports. Um, there are a number of people who are just not ever going to feel comfortable again not wearing a mask in those kind of public spaces. And I can tell you, for the free, foreseeable future for myself, I'm not getting on a plane without a mask. Some things are just serendipitous. I did not know that this was Shar's question, but we were talking earlier about domestic violence. Um, so there's a little place over in the, in the medical district that we're kind of fond of. There's quite a few people in this room who are part of the Chicago Children's Advocacy Center. We often say that it is the one role we wish we did not have to have, but we have to have it. Um, she says, thank you for your support of the gender-based violence service investment. Would you support the creation, the creation of a CPD special investigation unit for domestic violence and sexual assault similar to the unit housed at Chicago CAC? Well, thank you for the, the, the question. Um, we have seen in the last two years an unprecedented spike in domestic violence and other gender-based violence. Um, so we have to focus more. That's why we've launched a strategic plan on gender-based violence and have staff in the mayor's office that are focused solely on that question. Um, we've been um, working with CPD to make sure um, that their resources are aligned with our vision um, and intend to uh, make other investments. But I will tell you, every single day, um, I get an alert and in some instances, multiple times a day, that there is a, another domestic violence incident that SWAT is responding to. This is a crisis, ladies and gentlemen. Don't make no mistake about it. And we've got to do more as a city, public, private, um, not-for-profit, to address this issue because we all know what the saying tells us. Hurt people hurt people. There are too many of our kids that are growing up in homes where they are experiencing and witnessing violence every single day. And they're carrying that with them into the classrooms and out on the streets. So we must do more as a city to step up on this really significant public health issue.